Welcome to The Week Ahead in Russia, RFERL's Monday podcast about significant developments and upcoming events in Moscow and beyond. I'm Steve Gutterman, and my guest this week is Matthew Luxmore, a journalist based in Moscow. I asked Matthew uh, to do this podcast today because I want to take a look at what's happening with the coronavirus in Russia and in Moscow in particular. Uh, amid this current surge in cases and fatalities from COVID-19. We'll also talk a bit about Alexei Navalny's Sakharov Prize, and I'd like to get to that first, in fact. Um, on October 20th, the European Parliament chose Navalny as the winner of the Sakharov Prize for Freedom of Thought, which is essentially the EU's annual Human Rights Award. Uh, in a statement about the decision, European Parliament President David Sassoli said that Navalny, quote, has campaigned consistently against the corruption of Vladimir Putin's regime, unquote. Now, Navalny, uh, Navalny will not be able to pick up the award in person uh, at the ceremony in December as he's serving a two-and-a-half-year prison term for what he says is an absurd parole violation charge connected to what he says is a politically motivated fraud conviction. Uh, Matthew, what's what's your take on this prize? Did you expect Navalny to win after he was shortlisted? And what kind of effect do you think it might have on Navalny's situation and and on the situation uh, or on the situation in Russia more broadly? Um, I I did expect Navalny to win, Um, yes. um, Publication of the shortlist came uh, a week after uh, Russian journalist Dmitry Muratov, who's the editor of the opposition newspaper Nova Gazeta, um, became a co-recipient of this year's Nobel Peace Prize, um, an award that many of Navalny's supporters believe should have been given to Navalny. Um, so with, with this award of the Sakharov Prize, the EU's most prestigious human rights award, I think those same supporters saw it, um, many of them at least, saw it as a kind of um, consolation prize uh, for Navalny, whose um, reputation has been tarnished um, in the past by evidence of um, right-wing sympathies during his long career in politics, even as he has gained prominence um, and support in the West um, since, of course, his poisoning last August during campaign trip to Siberia. Um, however, those uh, who hoped his, this recognition would have an impact on uh, Russian politics and perhaps um, put a stop to the current crackdown on the opposition in Russia, um, I think will probably be disappointed. Um, President Putin's spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, um, dismissed the award last week as basically an error um, saying that the Kremlin respects the EU Parliament, but it believes it was essentially misled into awarding Navalny the prize um, and had relied, as Piskov said, on inaccurate information in building a picture um, of the Kremlin critics. So I, I don't think we should expect the Kremlin to change its approach to Navalny anytime soon, um, and neither should we expect the early release from prison that um, European lawmakers are calling for. Um, ultimately, though, I think the prize is in many ways victory for Navalny himself. Um, He has long been belittled um, by Putin and other high-ranking Russian officials as a mere blogger, um, kind of part of a campaign to um, undermine, I think, his influence in Russia. Um, And those same officials have also kind of reacted harshly to his growing prominence in the West as an opposition leader and Putin's main rival, especially um, over the past year. Um, But Navalny's aides who now live in exile have been campaigning for months to keep his name in the headlines of Western papers. Um, And I think this prize definitely will go a long way towards um, helping them in that goal. 
Yeah, I think uh, interesting you mentioned uh, the Kremlin's referring to him and Putin himself referring to Navalny as you know, the blogger, also other other descriptions, uh, the Berlin patient, uh, reference to his time right. recovering uh, from the poisoning in, in Berlin. Um, uh, and I think... You know, I agree. Uh, it's kind of a it's a victory, a re- recognition for Navalny, who's, uh, you know, as as I think you been dismissed um, by the Kremlin, which tries to play him down and suggest that you know they don't use his name, uh, you know, suggest that he's um, kind of a stooge of the West. So, so I think you know, uh, on on the one hand, it's 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 definitely a recognition, uh, you know. Uh, makes him more prominent, gives him a, a certain uh, a certain kind of um, prominence or and name uh, recognition that, that now goes even further than it did before. On the other hand, I'm afraid, or or I think that uh, in terms of the way the Kremlin is, you know, portrays things, it's sort of more uh, fodder for the Kremlin to to uh, you know to claim that that he's kind of a tool of the West. So, you know, it's, it, it deepens the divide, I guess, uh, between between the Russian government and the West. Uh, but and so I agree uh, also with the with the idea that it's it's hard, it seems unlikely to to lead to his earlier uh, release um, or, or anything like that. OK, um, let's uh, get back or let's uh, talk about uh, the covid situation. Um, at least from afar, um, I'm here in Prague. Uh, the situation, and I'll say, uh, in the Czech Republic, um, there are actually new restrictions coming into force uh, today or in the coming days. Um, you know, amid a, a increase in cases. Um, but uh, from here, I mean, the situation in Russia seems quite alarming. Um, the number of new cases recorded has been above thirty-five thousand, I believe, for several days. Uh, and the number of deaths above one thousand, you know, which is more than it than it was at earlier times in the uh, in the pandemic. Moscow and St. Petersburg and other places are imposing or reimposing restrictions, and President Vladimir Putin has announced a nationwide non-working week, essentially a paid holiday from October thirtieth to November seventh, I believe. It's kind of a grim new twist on what used to be the holidays marking the anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution in the Soviet Union. Um, Matthew, can you give us a sense of what it's like in Moscow at this point? And and a question as well. Um, Putin and the government have pretty much been blaming the people, I would say, uh, for the low vaccination rate, which is part of the problem. Putin said last week that he didn't understand why people, particularly uh, you know, educated people, uh, were resisting getting vaccinated. And state TV host Dmitry Kisilov lashed out at the populace uh, over the same issue earlier. So my question is whether it seems like the Russian people in, in turn uh, and in general are blaming Putin's government for the current COVID surge, or is it more more complex than that? Sure. Well, firstly, in terms of the mood in Moscow, um, change to announcement of um lockdown measures. Um, and I even get the sense a little bit that um, residents um, are taking advantage of the open bars and cafes um, at the moment ahead of the actual imposition of those measures um, this coming Thursday, as you said, October 28th. Um, I think Muscovites um, have the sense, have the, kind of the same sense of pandemic fatigue that's shared by um, 
residents of uh, most major cities uh, by this stage, um, cities that have been through lockdowns in the past. Um, and it's important to note that while the government has been criticised for avoiding use of the term lockdown to describe the upcoming restrictions across Russia, people will in fact be free to leave their homes um, and spend time outdoors and have even been encouraged to, at least by uh, in Moscow, by the mayor. Um, you know, perhaps the authorities are banking on the, the notion that um, the increasingly cold temperature here will keep people off the streets. But um, in any case, um, they've shied away from imposing a full citywide lockdown, or at least calling it that. Um, what remains to be seen, of course, is whether 10 days of restrictions um, in Moscow, at least, will have a meaningful impact on these uh, soaring COVID cases um, and help curb the spread of the virus. I think most people in Moscow suspect that um, this will actually be a precursor to a much longer uh, a much longer period of lockdown, which is what we had um, at the beginning of Russia's epidemic um, in late March through May, I think. Um, as to your question about the extent to which people blame the government, um, I think, yeah, as you said, I think this is kind of a complicated one. Um, Putin and other Russian officials, as well as state TV hosts like Kiselyov, as you mentioned, um, they've been increasingly alarmist in recent months about the dangers of, um, of Russia's vaccination campaign sputtering to a halt or not really um, reaching a wide enough uh, sway of the population. Um, and they've recently gone as far as ridiculing Russians to dismiss the benefits of vaccines. Um, but Ru Russia does have a deep-rooted culture of skepticism towards modern medicine, um, and many Russians can be particularly distrustful of homegrown solutions championed by the government, especially as is the case with Sputnik, for example, when those solutions receive official approval ahead of um, the kind of late-stage testing that's necessary to ensure that um, it's safe for uh, mass distribution. Um, and on top of that, uh, the authorities mixed messaging on the question of vaccines, which for months uh, accompanied the rollout of Sputnik V um, and the other Russian, um, the other shots that have been approved by the Russian government, um, has again made people even more distrustful. So I think to sum up, I think Russia, Russia has an atmosphere of general distrust towards this vaccination campaign. Um, it's by no means, you know, the entirety of the population, of course, but it does seem to be a very widespread. Um, sentiment. Um, and that's exacerbated by this lingering frustration with how the government's made uh, the effects of the pandemic worse, or at least um, sent mixed messaging um, to the population about, you know, vaccines, about precautions, and about, uh, you know, how, what stage Russia's at in actually overcoming this pandemic. They've obviously announced several times um, that, they, you know, Russia has emerged victorious over the pandemic, only to then uh, have to admit, as is the case right now, that, um, you know, that's far from the case. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess, I mean, one of those times was, was quite early, I, I think in, in March 2020, when Putin, you know, said we have the situation under control. But that's that's kind of uh, ancient history, I guess. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, thanks very much for that, uh, for that description. We'll, I guess, see, you know, both what the how how the vaccination campaign goes um i think when i last checked it they were at about 33 percent of russians fully vaccinated um you know which is obviously uh you know far behind m many other countries and also we'll see as you say you know will this uh will this lockdown or or, or you know uh, what people are calling a lockdown uh will this work and and i wonder you know as as you mentioned the idea that 
it may be people may be in for for a longer period of restrictions um in a couple months you have the have the new year's holidays coming up so um we'll see how they kind of segue into that um all right uh, we're running out of time we'll wrap it up there matthew thanks a lot for joining me sure always a pleasure steve thanks all right. Uh, great to have you on the podcast again. Uh, I'll be back again next Monday, and please keep an eye out on Friday for my Week in Russia newsletter. Thanks for listening.